I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Motorsport Magazine for the very best of motor racing. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to our Motorsport Podcast. And thank you all for all the feedback you've given us since our last show. Um, I really ought to start today with an apology because I think that in our last programme we might have given the impression that some of us were not keen to see Jean Todd become the president of the FIA and perhaps I should make it completely clear that we all are actually unanimously united in uh, our wish for him not to become the president of the FIA just so we clarify that point from last week's show, Um, last month's show. Anyway, a slight change of plan today. First of all, we've uh, listened to what you say, and we're going to run for 45 minutes. And today we have a guest, and that is the former 1979 Grand Prix world champion, Jody Schachter. So today we'll be talking, obviously, a lot to Jody, amongst other things, what he thinks about the championship so far this year. That's F1, not MotoGP, in case he rambles off the subject, which he might. What's happened to Jensen Button? Has he lost his form? Has the car lost its form? What's going on? Renault, what on earth happened there? Force India result at Spa, can they do the same again? Uh, We'll also be talking about the fact that Alonso is apparently moving to Ferrari. Will this be a good thing and who will be his teammate there? So those are some of the points we hope to cover, plus of course some questions from you, our readers. Anyway, welcome Jody. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come in. Um, let's start, if we may, on um, the championship so far this year, just to get us going. I mean, what is your take on? We started with Braun winning every race, and suddenly they they're not. Well, it's sort of upside down, isn't it? Probably twice, really, because um, all the cars that were competitive last year weren't competitive this year. And probably the biggest shocker was Force India. I don't know how that happened. Um, If it was a single-make engine, I would have thought there's something going on. But um, I I don't understand it, really, how how a team comes from the back consistently to the front. Uh, I'm glad to hear you don't, because none of us do either. Um, I must ask you about Ferrari this season. Um, I mean, what a year. apart from losing Felipe Massa, um, they just haven't really been on it. And is it, is it a team you still have some sneaking affection for? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose so. Because, not, because the people that were there when I was there aren't there. So, mm. so from that point of view. But Ferrari is very special, I think, for anybody, even if they don't like it in a way. It's, it's something special. But I know uh, Stefan uh, quite well um, and we communicate when uh, Michael got the drive or was going to get the drive, I sent him a text to say I'm a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the last race, uh, when I saw him put it into the wall, I said, um, if you need me for Monza, I can get somebody to feed the chickens. 
And those were two texts I sent him. That's real. <laughs> what do you what, what do you think it is about Ferrari? You you say they're a bit special. I mean, uh, I mean, I suppose the amazing thing was always for me is that Ferrari was only started when the old man was fifty years old, and it became such a famous brand with such um, enthusiasm behind it. Um, that was probably the most amazing thing for me, but it's just sort of carried it on, I suppose. In a way, you thought when he died it may not, but it seemed to carry on. Ferrari is special everywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's also very much a, a national team for Italy. I mean, it's, you know, there's not one person in Italy who doesn't, doesn't support Ferrari. I mean, not, well, I haven't met any. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's pretty special from, from a yeah, point of view. I've always said when the difference with driving for Ferrari is you're driving for Italy. Where any other team, you're driving for the team. And that is the, that is the big difference, yeah? Yeah, they've always been around. Yeah. And they always will be around. Mm. But, you know... A different How red. many green British cars are there? A different red, yes. Yeah. It's a Marlboro red, though. Yeah, well, it is. It's changed. It has changed. Yes, it's true. Faded it's on not, the, yeah, from the sun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed you're not going back at that price as well. No, no, no. So I was still expensive for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what, in your views, happened to our, our very own Jensen Button then, Jody? Well, I mean, it's obviously he's, he's not going well, but I always felt that the hardest part was when you were ahead and then you had to con be conservative. And you had to have the balance between conservative and not being conservative. And that was the hardest, to really push yeah. fast. You've just, you know you've got to do that. And I think he got to, to that stage. Mind you, I, I also thought that Jensen, I've always felt Jensen was a very quick, smooth driver when he's by himself and he has the right car. But in traffic, I've never thought he was one of the best. And uh, so I think once he gets back into the field, I think that he's, he's um, uh, what do you call it? The good parts about his driving and about him don't shine. But if he's got the right car and he's in the front and he drives so smoothly, that's what happened in the first five races, more or less. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I mean, something I've noticed in the last few Grand Prix is when he's in the pack, I think everyone knows he's, he's now got to get points and that's what he's driving for. So at the start, everyone just swamps him. And, you know, he, he's always losing places at the start. I'm sure the other drivers see him on the inside but I think, well, you know, it doesn't really matter if I turn it on him, he'll get out of the way because he's not going to want to have it. No, yeah, I, there is an element of that. I mean, I, I, in, his, in the style of driving, actually, Jensen always reminds me of Prost, this sort of silky smooth. I, th I think perhaps Alain could be a little bit more of a fighter when he needed to be, you know, maybe than we sometimes see in Jensen. But, I mean, part of it, we were talking about, you know, whatever the hell happened at Spa. Um, uh, you know, I, I talked to Nicky after... Uh, qualifying finished and uh, got predictably clipped response. I uh, said, well, you know, what about Jensen? And he just said, uh, well, it says he has no grip, but this is already bullshit because the other guy is fourth. <laughs> Typical louder take on the situation. But I think this year, probably more than any year I can remember, how a car uses its tyres has, mm -hmm. has been more critical this, this year than I can ever, ever recall. And for whatever reason, people were saying last weekend for, you know, the Force India just was making the best use of the Bridgestones, you know, that particular weekend. Yeah. And I think the difference between um, Jensen and Rubens is 
LeBron has had a problem all season long on cool days, getting tire into it, getting temperature into its fronts. And I think, uh, you know, Jerry, I remember there was uh, qualifying at a race of champions, I think in 76, and the weather was Arctic. I mean, it was March and it was, it was unusually cold, even for, even for, for March in England. Um, and nobody could get any temperature into their tyres. And eventually, you really started throwing your... It was a Tyrrell. It was, I think, the last time you drove a four-wheel drive Tyrrell. And you really threw the car about and got some temperature, and you were on the pole by, I don't know, a second and a half. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. A few good points. I do, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I think now, you know, Rubens is taking the car by the scruff of the neck more than Jensen and getting temperature into, into his tyres, and he's, you know, at the moment, he's doing a better job. No yeah. question. We, we, we got to say, haven't we, Jody, that taking the car by the scruff of the neck was something you did quite a lot of. Um, you, you came to the notice of many people by being pretty fast but pretty wild. Did you consciously have to sort of temper that if you were ever going to get your become world champion? No, I don't, I don't think you, you just, you're just trying to do what you've got to do to win. And I think at the early days of my career, my style was probably a lot better than towards the end because the tyres were tough in those times and then you slid it and it was actually positive in that time and, and quite often it was positive. And then as the tyres got more to the limit, um, you had to s slide it less and less and less. And I suppose today it's even you know, a, lot, mm. a, lot, a lot worse. But you always try, I always try to adapt. I think if I had something I did well was adapting to anything, which was very good when you had a bad car, but it wasn't very good when you were trying to sort a car out because whatever you did, you just drove around it and got the same result. <laughs> and uh, so I think that's, I, I felt I worked harder because I was, although I worked hard at setting the car up, I don't think I was the best at getting, getting the car set up. But to become champion in 79 at Ferrari, there was a lot of work to be done, wasn't there? Because it was very much, I mean, for, it wasn't a fantastic time for Ferrari by any stretch, was it? Well, you know, I, when I, I didn't know that because I came in there and we had the first cars that we did, what the, the old cars for the first two races weren't very good at all. But I think Michelin tyres were a big part of why we won. Um, the car was reliable, I finished every race. Um, it was, I suppose, tough for me because Gilles won the first sort of two races of the team and I was the number one driver, so it was a bit like uh, um, Lewis and um, <laughs> Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. And um, yeah, and you put your head down and you just got to work harder and harder and harder and be tougher and tougher and tougher. And, um, and he was trying to win laps and not championships, that helped. And um, yeah, I won the championship, I suppose. <laughs> I, but in 80, I mean, the, you had a, the car was terrible in 80, wasn't yeah. it? Because the whole world had a true ground effect car, except you, except Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, and it, it wasn't working. The tyres weren't working for some, some reason. And Gilles had done some fairly good races. I never, I don't think I had any good races that I remember. In fact, I didn't qualify in the last second last race. Oh, uh, Montreal. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's just quite, quite strange because you always thought, I felt when I was at the race meetings, I was trying as hard as I ever was. And I always felt the difference was I didn't wake up in the middle of the night and think about understeer or oversteer. And when you are 
really on it. That's the time you're thinking of those things. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but that was my interpretation. Because I, I certainly at the races I was trying as hard, or I felt I was trying as hard as I ever did. Well, you had a, I mean, you had a huge shunt at Emola, didn't you? Yeah. Not yeah. long before you retired. Yeah. I mean, you were still on it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And Jill crashed about two feet, yeah. two feet, two feet further right. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A, lo a lot of people, um, <coughs> some some of our readers, in fact, want to ask you about you. You retired quite quickly, or from the outside, it looked like that. Was was that always your your intention, or did you just suddenly think, I've I've done enough, I've had enough? Um, well, first of all, in those days. It was dangerous. Yeah. You know, one to two drivers got killed every year. So if you just think practically. The second thing, I suppose, a little bit of the magic went out of it because I was, people were getting killed. And sometimes some of the teams, you felt that wasn't certainly a, a worry or a priority. And I was very involved with safety, although people don't remember or forgot or whatever. I was very involved with it. And so I thought, well, it's, um, it's probably time for me to get out. And I don't like, like getting beaten, so that was probably also a little bit of it. But um, yeah, I didn't have anything else to do after that. I just felt this was, this was, this was right. In fact, Renault offered me, uh, approached me, I think, in Canada mm -hmm. and felt I could write my, you know, whatever sort of money I wanted. And mm -hmm. I said, no. No, I just made up my mind and mm. I needed to go on and do something else. Hmm. I mean, the, the safety we've, the safety improvements <coughs> we've seen are just indescribable, aren't they? I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's tempting to I mean, I know we've had the uh, accident with Felipe Massa, but it's, it's almost tempting to think that you're indestructible now. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yes, you just look at the records, there's no question about it. That's so, so much more safe than it was. And, and you know, you, in our day, you were just, you knew you were rolling the dice. I mean, it was, it was that, it, it was part of it. And uh, whilst it meant everything to you, I remember going back to East London, South Africa, and think, I'd rather be dead than here. But not just that I, motor racing meant so much to me, I think, in the earlier part of the career, that you were prepared to do that. Although it, when you first went in, you didn't realize it would actually happen. It happened to other people until I, and I think when I um, saw Sevet, I was the first one on Sevet's accident. And that was the first time it hit me to say, boy, it's, it can happen. You know? But I mean, if you did it again, would you prefer to be racing in Formula One as it is now, with all, I mean, yeah. all the safety, but it's, you know, it's, such, it's almost a different sport. From the politics, definitely not. I don't know how I could take all the all the the political decisions that are in the sport is just disgraceful. So I think I would have probably killed myself or somebody else um, because because it's there's so much for me in just that that's that's happened. Um, from a technical point of view, I think I would have enjoyed it more because the feedback you get in our day, you really didn't get any feedback. You thought if you go softer, you were, you're going to get more grip and reality. You didn't know what your aerodynamics were doing and things like that. So, so now there's a lot more data and I think I would have enjoyed that a lot, a lot more. Um, and of course the safety is much, much nicer. Now. I mean, that's why I think, sorry Nigel. No, I was, uh, in fact, something I, I don't think I ever asked you was when you retired, 
Did you give any thought at all to staying in racing in some other capacity, or did you just want to change your world? Uh, no, no, I just had to find something that I that I uh, would, would I would enjoy and that would motivate me. I did a commentary in Long Beach, and um, I, I mean, I, it's hard to get ex- for me hard to get excited. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so that was sort of wasn't right for, 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 for TV. And then I tried to organize a World Series like the IROC Series. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I spent yeah. a year doing yeah. that, and I did also did the, um, <coughs> organized a couple of uh, MotoGP races at Donington. And the, the, for a year, I tried to get this, all the same drivers from around the world in a, in a very fast saloon car. And I got halfway there, but <coughs> it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to ask you a couple of questions from our readers because obviously they don't have the chance to be here. Um, Jim Kopf would like to know about driving the Tyrrell six-wheeler. I mean, that was a very, very interesting racing car. It was quite a brave decision to do as well, wasn't it? And he just wants to know what, what was it like when you... Well, I think actually when you first saw it, let alone drive it. Brave or, brave or stupid. Um, it was it was fun to drive because you could throw it around. Whatever you could do, you could get away with it, and and so that that was quite fun. Um, I didn't agree with the theory of why it should work, and actually, I got better results than I ever remember. I got results if if I look back, I got quite a lot of seconds. I think I won one yeah, race. Yeah, 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 the yeah. car broke. All the time. You lost a wheel in Sweden, didn't I you? I lost a lot of wheels. Apparently, you didn't notice. No, 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 no. The team didn't notice. I noticed the wheel going off. I thought it was understeering. I looked down there, and the wheel was off. And then I came in, and I thought that just just for fun, I'd go in there and I sat there and I said it's understeering a little bit. And Derek Gardner was sitting there and understeer. And I think the mechanics had thought the other person, the other mechanic, had taken the wheel off. <laughs> so eventually I cracked up and uh, said that the wheels, the wheels come off. But in Austria the, wheel, the suspension broke and was breaking nearly every race. It, was, um, it, was, it, was, it wasn't fun, that part wasn't fun because it was dangerous and when a car breaks you don't always get away with it. No, sure. The thing I never understood about that car, I mean the, the argument about the low frontal area and everything else is going to be a bullet in a straight line. But you know, the air still hit the rear wheel. Didn't absolutely, it? You know? absolutely, and and <laughs> and, and, and what was what was worse is when we went down to Paul Ricard to try them, and we had the old car and the new car. Well, the new car, the six-wheeler, they put a narrower track on the back. Thanks very much. <laughs> okay, and uh, I think they also did something with the wings. So, and then the it should have uh, the braking should have been better with six wheels, mm. yeah. which it was. If the road was absolutely flat and you were braking flat, but as soon as you went like this, a little wheel went up like this, and you had to put your brakes off because you didn't have anti-lock brakes or whatever. So I think we, we come down on the side of stupid rather than brave, then really, don't we? Um, yeah, I think for me it was, and, and in fact, that's when I started to lose, or um, well, they lost affection for me. Maybe is the right word within the team, because. Um, Patrick was, oh, this is fantastic, this is uh, yeah. incredible, and I was saying, no, it's not good, and it doesn't work, and so you can imagine who they wanted to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we've had so many questions for you, we have to keep moving on, I'm afraid, but Mark Williams wanted to know about winning in the Wolf, so did I, actually, we all remember it so well, and in my view, it was one of the, most, one of the best-looking Grand Prix cars ever, ever built. Um, that must have been 
a fantastic moment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think just because we were, what, 20 people in the team? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I remember James Hunt saying to me, oh, I'm glad you've done that now, now you're out of the way. <laughs> and then uh, we won the first race and he still threw me out of the way. And I think we put it in the front row at, um, pretty, at uh, Long Beach. Long Beach, yeah, yeah. when you led virtually the whole way. Yeah, I always felt that was one of my best races. And yeah. then I had a flat tyre in the front for the last eight or ten laps. And... Uh, but yeah, it was it was a great achievement because we were a sort of you know very very small team. I think Ferrari had two hundred people, mm-hmm. we had twenty people, and uh, and the car worked. Mm-hmm. It so happened that Patrick Head had done a lot of the design, <laughs> and uh, it's probably probably mm-hmm. helped a lot. You know. oh, Monaco, yeah, yeah, one Monaco, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah? yeah. Was, it, was it one of those racing cars that was pretty much right the moment you, you got in it? Was it? Um, yeah, I'm not I mean, quite I'm Did not you quite s- sure. I mean, we went testing in South Africa and it's, it seemed to be very good there. Um, but it was hard to tell because the lap times at the, before, you, before all the rubber gets down are very fast. Yeah. So you were going faster and faster and faster and thinking you were improving the car. But I think it was it was good on short circuits. I think um, it was quite good. Yeah, it was a, it was a good gun. We mentioned Long Beach just now, and uh, Richard asked us to ask you about Formula One racing in in the United States, which is pretty much a damp squib in in recent years. And yet, at Long Beach, there were good crowds. Do, do you do you have you got a view on why America doesn't like Formula One racing? Um, I, I, I'm just my own opinion. I'm not sure, but I don't think it's not because it's not because they don't like it. It's because they've got a lot of other things going on, and that's not up in the in the front. I think, uh, you know, NASCAR is massive there, and that's the one that people follow. And until you get American teams and American drivers, and that starts to gain momentum, I think it'll become a bigger sport. But still, America's got a lot of other bigger sports. Yeah. I think we also, I think we broke the spell. I mean, for years and years and years, we had, the season began early in the year, we had the West Coast race at Long Beach. And then traditionally, the season ended at Watkins Glen on the East Coast. And you used to get massive crowds at both races. And I think Formula One was hugely popular in the States back then. But then we, Bernie, found what he thought were more lucrative alternatives. Um, and we sort of, it was a mishmash of, you know, a few years in Detroit and three years yeah. in Phoenix, you know, bit of this, bit of that, Dallas for one year. 
and, I, and in different parts of the country the whole time. And I think American, as Jody said, they had more to concentrate on than, than Formula One. I think it just gradually sort of slipped off the, uh, off the screen. Uh, plus, you know, the other thing is Americans are used to overtaking. <laughs> well, they are. Like, you know, they, they like oval racing because they like, they like racing. Sure. And, and we you know, don't. You, you try and talk to them about Formula One and strategy and everything else, and it's not really, you know, it's yeah, not really what I think a lot of them like. I also think, I mean, I really don't. The, the, having a single sort of engine, if you want, single, you can only have a, a ten-cylinder engine. One of the things in our time was the Ferrari had a different note to the. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was really, a, really was a lot of character yeah. in yeah. the whole thing. And the sophistication of Formula One is, which is the part of the race, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. And that's tightened down so much that you really, yeah. it's a little flick here and a little yeah. flick there, yeah. rather than coming out with a different cylinder engine or yeah, yeah, sure. stuff. And no. I think that's, that's taken some of the... Yeah, it's I a agree. bit... Nigel, think, of the, think of the Matra, for instance, sounded like yeah. nothing else yeah. on yeah. Yeah. A flat 12 Ferrari sounded like nothing else, you know? And now they all sound the same. Yeah, they do, yeah, exactly. exactly. I've got a question here, Jody, uh, from Mike, who's, who says that you considered giving back your championship title uh, once the Max Mosley scandal had a, emerged into the public domain. Is, is that true? It wasn't with Max Mosley. It was just some of the decisions that had been made in the sport. The problem was that they probably enjoyed me giving it back more than I was giving it back. So a little bit stupid. But um, no, I've disagreed with some of the decisions. It was a, a lot with Lewis and uh, McLaren's just been, for me, totally terrible, terrible, terrible. Tell me a little bit more about that, though, because, I mean, I think we should... Is that from the point of view what of, of just dishonesty or or unsport not unsportsmanship if you like is that what you were talking about really? No, I just I, listen. I, my opinion, I think there were there were other factors going into the decisions that were sporting decisions because they didn't make any sense to me. The first one that was obvious was actually, or the, that I thought was obvious when when. Um, um, Alonso was penalised in Monza for, for, yeah. and, and yeah. in our day they were, hey boy, that would have been a toe there would have been exactly. an advantage exactly. and that was the first one that you thought this is just, what's and yeah. then they got worse after that, and the yeah. one where Lewis went through those was just yeah. he should have won the championship the year before halfway through or three quarters way through in my opinion yeah. Yeah. It's exciting isn't it though, when, when, we, when Lewis first came on the scene, I mean if you especially had you not seen him in GP2 I mean do, those things don't happen very often do they and they kind of no no I mean the, for me the guy's brilliant and and he's for, for me he's the best that I've ever seen in traffic and so I know people think oh he went well also another thing if you if you lock a wheel going into the first corner they want to disqualify you <laughs> these days I mean you know it's right. uh, it's it's yeah do you, do you I mean I feel absolutely that the nanny state has just taken over you know, the, the tiniest thing now is penalised. Uh, yeah, and it's difficult enough to overtake anyway. Yeah, and, and it's, yes, it's, it's, like, it's like a nursery school. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah and they're just, just not right decisions. But he's brilliant in traffic. I mean, brilliant in mm -hmm. traffic. And he's a brilliant, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. A lot of respect. Yeah. 
Who else do you, who else do you rate at that level? People talk about Alonso being the best package. Well, uh, package being a popular word these days. I mean, and now we hear he's going to Ferrari. Do you, what's your take on that? Um, well, I think I would probably have Lewis if I had a choice of a driver. I would have Lewis first. Um, probably uh, Vettel. Mm. Probably probably second. I don't like the way, and I don't know the real innards of the way Alonso behaved when he was with McLaren. Uh, um, I just find it hard to work with somebody that, with you know that did that sort of thing. But I don't know the total detail of it, so maybe I'm wrong on that. But yeah, he's a solid driver. I think the um, he's a, he can win a championship. But the other two guys are probably more exciting and. Uh, yeah, for sure. got got more potential maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> but you give him in the right car, he's going to win a championship. There's no question yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. No, very few people have won the world championship, as we all know. And I think a lot of people listening now to this will be amazed and overjoyed to hear a world champion who's so frank, who is not afraid to speak his mind. And that tells us a lot, doesn't it, about how the sport has changed? Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the problem now is, um, I mean, I've said this to you before, Rob, you know, in the, in, in the days when Jody was racing, if I wanted to interview anybody, I just would go up to the driver and say, can we do a tape? And, and they would say, yeah, sure, you know what, now or so tomorrow? Piss, piss or, off. <laughs> or piss off, yes. <laughs> that happened quite often, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, now it's a whole different thing. Now you've sort of got to go through an armada of, you know, of PRs and, uh, and everything else. We're quite off nowadays, <laughs> wouldn't we? Really? Yeah, I mean, it needs to be a reaction. But, but the other thing, too, is that, you know, half the time, you, you know, there's, there's some member of the team sitting in on the interview to monitor what the guy is saying. Sure. And, and they're also taping it to make sure that, you know, you don't misquote the driver. And as a consequence, the driver is very often sort of almost like jelly, you know, frightened to death to, to say anything. We, we, I, mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I remember once interviewing Rubens when he was at Ferrari, and I asked him something about his, you know, the, the sort of, how did he really get on with Michael? Um, and, uh, and I remember the, the PR sort of flashed Rubens a, a look, and Rubens came out with some politically correct answer. Uh, and then Rubens sort of gave me a look, which is to say, I can't say anything. Crazy. He shouldn't have, though. And then, and then, but, the, but then, you know, we, we, so we finished the interview, and then I saw Rubens again a couple of hours later, and he said, look, I'm sorry I couldn't answer, but what I would have said is, you know, yeah. so... But, but I mean, but they, don't even joke, they don't even joke anymore. I mean, it's... Oh, it's, no, it's, it's, no, no, yeah. no, 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 huh? no. You might get for that. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, a guy like Weber does. Yeah. But I mean, I mean you know, but Mark, Mark, I, I, was, I think, is the only driver in, yeah, the, you know, in, in the paddock very often who's brave enough to say what the rest <laughs> might think, but, but you but, know, don't open their mouths about it. We're, um, we always joke in the office how, you know, PR people are there to help you get what you want, but in Formula One, they're actually there to stop you. And it's just, it's a nightmare. You know, setting up every, you know, Formula One feature is yeah, it's a nightmare yeah, nowadays. Yeah. There's so many hoops you have to jump yeah, through. Yeah. Let yeah. me ask you something else about World Championships. Um, Especially as we're all us Brits are talking about, you know, Jensen Button. I mean, when you when you went away from motor racing, you started an incredibly successful business in the USA. Now you have a very interesting and successful business in Britain. 
Do you think <laughs> what is not interesting or successful? Six. No, it's not profitable. Put it that way. Okay, but it's yeah. very interesting, and it's obviously too, done too extremely well. Yeah. Everyone I talk to says how well done it is. But what I'm getting at here is to, to become world champion is is much more, isn't it, than about being a quick driver? Am I right? And therefore because you've got to put together the whole year. You've got to put together a whole lot of things to become a world champion. Can you just tell me a bit about Yeah, that? I think if you've got such a good car and you can drive fast, you could be lucky enough to win a world championship. But no, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think there's so much to be putting together. And certainly the, the, the guys that win it more than once, um, I feel that they also bring the team with them. And that's part of... Certainly, the, like Michael, the great guys, they brought the team with them, and that was certainly a part of why they won races, because you can go down a wrong path quite easily, um, and, mm. and your season will be messed up because you made a decision or you went, or you're not pulling it in a certain way. But I remember asking uh, a guy at IMG who do all the sports, mm -hmm. uh, what's the name, and we're talking about the different sportsmen, and they felt that the racing drivers are the most intelligent, um, probably besides myself, <laughs> but um, because you've got so much complexity to do, you're not yeah. just getting in driving. You, you got it's the sorting out and the decisions you have to make um, for the harder part. In fact, getting in and I always relax once I've made my last decision. Then it was so okay. Now I can just get in and do what <laughs> yeah. I what, what I can do best. Yeah. Is that, is that, have you found that in the rest of your life, in the sense that, okay, you have the idea for the business, you do the business, and you apply to it what you're describing now, which is sort of having to keep a lot of things in place and make sure you're ahead of all of them at the same time. Is that... Um, well, I, I always say there's one secret to being successful, and that's hard work. Okay. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've probably taken on the harder uh, challenge with the, um, the farm and the processing and all that, because it's not just a farm. We, we do soil yeah. science and we do <laughs> mozzarellas and ice creams and beers. And, yeah. and um, I used to joke and say, well, that's the challenge, all these. And now I realize what an idiot, <laughs> an, arrogant, an arrogant idiot I was, because it's, uh, there's a lot to do. You've got to get the right people in place. But, uh, you know, a lot of the fundamentals I learned in racing applied to me in the business yeah. in America. Um, but it's just, you know, you've just got to keep the goal, keep concentrating, working hard, not giving up. I think those are the sort of fundamentals, but there's a lot of other lessons you learn within in that. I think one of, the one, one of the lessons in my last company, and probably here, is advancing technology very quickly. Yeah. And that does it more quicker than any other industry in the world, even at wartime. And, um, and so that's a secret to nearly most businesses, even yeah. farming, yeah. because you're trying to develop products, even though they may be slow and they only have babies every nine months or and you're trying to do that. You can still, if you put those fundamentals in, you can still do it quicker than somebody else can do it. And that helped me in my last company. Mm. And... Um, helping me in this company. I'm interested what you're saying you learned from Formula One lessons that that, that helped you in you what specifically I mean what did you take from Formula One that for instance helped in the in the company in the States? Well there were two things mainly there one was preparing for an event 
which you do yeah. with, for for and 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 in fact what we did we were making a simulator to teach police and then military yeah. how to get ready for an event and it really the fundamentals weren't different and actually I was very interested in tennis sort of towards the end of my career and that and they they were the same sort of thing and we learned lessons like I used to say in the last company was train as you're going to fight. Mm -hmm. Well, really what it is, if you play tennis, try and use the same balls on the same court and the same sort of yeah. uh, racket and everything that you're going to go in so there's nothing new. Yeah. And in a military situation, it's exactly the same mm -hmm. and you're trying to make it. So that was the <coughs> one. And then moving technology very fast. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll give you an example. We were, one of the big um, uh, weapon companies came to us and said, we want to use your simulator to help to uh, develop this weapon, we have to develop a weapon that shoots twice as accurately and stuff like that. And I, we had this PhD guy and we, we, we went and took the simulator around and they were talking around and about it. And we would have made the decision probably in 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour, we would have worked out how we were going to do, what we are going to change tires, put the wing and so Three months later, he came back with a <laughs> test plan. And that's industry and that's Formula One. So you. And you know that if you bring out, if it's Microsoft or whatever it is, if you're out first, you win yeah, nearly always. Yeah, and yeah. So, so that's a very, very important part in industry doing that. Mm -hmm. And the other the thing that's sort of interesting is Formula One, you're working at the last 1% is sort of between the front and the back grid. In industry, in a lot of industry, the last 25% you don't bother about. Really? See, yeah. I think that's very yeah. interesting. Mm. I think yeah. this, this, is, this, this whole business of becoming the best is very interesting. And you mm. say there's no replacement for hard work. A lot of people thought you were hard work, actually. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Told you there was no Jody, replacement. Did, <laughs> did, your, how did, did your attitude change somewhat after you'd won the championship? Because I remember you, you did say to me at the time, you know, you'd gone to Ferrari specifically to write, now's the time. I need to go to Ferrari, I need to, you know... You mean once I've won the championship? Yeah. Now, did you, when you'd won it, did you feel sort of, I don't know, slightly less committed or...? No, I, I think I had achieved what I set out to yeah. achieve and winning it twice didn't mean that much to no, me. No. And I think that very much so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I knew that I could win it after my first season because we left Monza equally leading the world championship yeah. that yeah. year and then I thought well I'm good enough to win it now and then it took me all of those years yeah, yeah. to actually yeah. to get everything else together to be yeah. able to achieve yeah. it yeah sure sure yeah. Ed final question from you maybe yeah uh, this the problem they have with the Ferrari at the moment obviously after you know Massa's accident with uh, Luca Bado it's so hard for me not to say look how bad you are um, when Luke, they put Luca Bado in the car and it's always been a complete disaster. Who, I mean, there's been rumours about Fisichella um, moving from Force India. There's been rumours about the Italian F3 champion. I mean, where, where would you go? I mean, you, I, oh, I, personally, I, I don't think you can stay with Badoa. He's no, no, I think it's yeah. it's embarrassing. I think that was it's such a great opportunity to look at the next layer of talent coming yeah. up. You've got some races just put in. You know, yeah. maybe a couple of races each. Oh, you got Berta really. That's I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't follow the, the next yeah. layer down very much, but I think there's, a, there's some guys that they must have been or should have been keeping their eye on to say, boy, this is experience to have. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. I think the only thing is they might be cherry about putting a, a, a real raw novice in at Monza. 
Yeah. Because I mean, Jesus, the pressure on that. Sure. If it were a young Italian, but a Monza. You can't, can't do worse than. Well, no, you can't do worse. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. You know, what, what can no, I do no, worse no, than I know. I know. But I mean, no. Ferrari had never been. I mean, someone like Red Bull nowadays have this driver program. And they've got drivers coming out of their yeah. wheels, you know. And, they, and Ferrari have actually been slightly caught out by yeah. that. No so they don't have anything like that, really. No. I mean, you know, they had these the F3 champion. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm bound to ask, to, to wonder, in light of having just been to these two races and seen Bado, um, you, you sort of, to some degree, you are bound to ask, to, to wonder how how much worth he has had as a test driver hmm. over these last few yeah. years. If he's that much off the pace. Oh, God. You know, yeah, but, but quite seriously. Am I right to understand that he hasn't done testing for some years? Yeah, yeah he, only this year, because we've had a testing ban this year. Okay. So, in fairness, no, this summer he's, he's not been near a car. But, but yeah. you know, prior to that, I mean, he tested last winter. And, I mean, other than that, he used to be in a car every week, pretty much. I, I agree, I agree. I, I sort of put it the other way. I said he must be quick enough, otherwise he wouldn't have used him. Well, and no, so, But sure. maybe, maybe he wasn't, and they no, were using no. him. And so what were they... Very strange. Were they learning maybe less than they should have been. Learning? Very strange episode altogether, really. And yeah. in, and in fact, I would, you know, Fred, I feel rather sorry for the guy. I think, you know, I, well, if, I, if I, I was uh, if I wasn't on the pace, I wouldn't want to go out in it. You had to feel sorry for him, but because it was there's no other word for it. I mean, it was obviously, you know, it was humiliating. Yeah. And in a way, you can say this is kind of a nice thing about Ferrari that they they put him in the car, quote, you know, sentimentally as a, as a thank you, which maybe other teams wouldn't have done. But on the other hand, Valencia should have been enough. Yeah, yeah. it really should. More than enough. Yeah. Okay, well, we've run out of time, and I, I, I only hope that you out there have enjoyed it as much as I have, and I'm sure Nigel Roback has and Ed Foster. And um, Jody, I've got to thank you for taking the time to come up from Leverstoke Place Farm and talk about motor racing. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Thanks. We will see you Thanks again for the next uh, motorsport podcast on Tuesday the 6th of October after the Japanese Grand Prix unless of course we do one sooner which we might if you would like us to do one sooner Nigel's looking aghast <laughs> uh, just let us know because uh, you know we know uh, that you like listening we like doing it anyway we'll see you next time bye bye Motorsport Magazine for the very best of motor Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 